This is the Fire After 40 podcast, episode number 13. I'm excited to build wealth for the long term and show the kids how it can be done without living paycheck to paycheck and on a credit card. That's what I'm pretty excited about too. This is the Fire After 40 podcast, a show where I dive into the fire movement to see what financial independence is all about. I'll share the steps I've taken to start my journey toward becoming financially independent. And along the way, I'll bring in others who are on a path of their own. You'll hear stories and advice from people who have reached their version of FI, and from those like me who are still finding their way. This is a show for anyone who wants to learn, grow, and connect with others. This is FI After 40. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Ben. You're listening to the Five After 40 podcast, and this is episode number 13. So today I have Blake from the blog Fire with a Family as the guest on the show. Uh, He's originally from Australia, and now he and his wife uh, live in Canada. Um, So he's got a great story about moving there and finding financial independence with his wife. And uh, they started a blog actually very recently in the last couple of months. So we jump into that. Um, His story is pretty interesting. I think they they really hit uh, an inflection point when living in Canada, and they had to fly back home to Australia for a family emergency, and they didn't have the money to do it. Uh, from being in debt. And so that was a real kind of wake up call for them um, having to borrow $10,000 just to fly their family back to Australia. Since then, they've really had a focus on eliminating their debt. Uh, They've made a ton of progress with it. They've written all about it in their website. um, And they have a bunch of budgeting tips. We talk through a a lot of information that I think will be really helpful for people to hear. Um, One one point of the discussion that's pretty interesting is discussing the difference between being frugal and being cheap. So you want to listen to that to get Blake's take on the difference between those two. Um, But overall, I mean, they've really increased their net worth. And I think it's a great story that should be inspirational and should provide a lot of useful advice for anyone out there. Before we get to the interview, I wanted to mention that this episode is brought to you by WalletHacks.com. It's a website with a ton of great resources to help you with your finances. There's info on the best credit cards to get for different situations for like travel rewards. There's information on how to invest your money if you're just starting out. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. They've got a newsletter you can sign up for. I've got that and I get it every week and it's got lots of good information in it. So again, check it out. It's wallethacks.com. As always, I'd love it if you could leave a review and a rating online. Uh, It only takes a second. If you're on your iPhone, you just hop over, give it five stars, drop a quick review. It's really helpful, and it helps people to find the podcast, and it's really great feedback for me to see. So um, I actually have recently taken some of those reviews and put them on the website. So if you leave a good review, I will likely put that up on the Fire After 40 website at some point under the podcast section. And with that, let's get over to the interview with Blake. Hope you enjoy. So today I have Blake from the blog firewithafamily.com. So Blake, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, no worries, Ben. It's good to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk through your story and kind of hear what you've been working on. I know you guys recently um, launched a blog similar to what I've done. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of what you've been working on through that. Um, so why don't you just jump in and start off with a little bit of background as to kind of what you've been doing and what got you interested in pursuing financial independence to begin with. Yeah, sure. So uh, 
our story is a relatively new one for the whole financial independence journey, pretty much from like October, November last year is where we really got a keen interest for personal finance. But um, it took us a long time to get there. We always looked at uh, the people that saved money and would always go on these holidays. We're like, wow, how do they do that? They earn way less than us, but they could they could save money and do stuff. And we always thought it was just out of reach. But um, so myself and, and my wife, we've been married for a few years now, but we've been together for, for 16 years. So we're still pretty young, um, still uh, or 31 and she's 29. So we've got two, two young kids as well. So we're still pretty early on in our life. But um, yeah, a bit late to, to pick up the financial independence game like most of the millennials these days. But uh, I don't think it's it's too late to start at all. But we had um, we'd moved over to Canada probably four years ago now. Um, it was a big big change for us. We'd never lived out of a small country town before, and uh, decided we had the opportunity with work because we both work in mining to come across the other side of the world to to have another adventure. So we thought, yeah, wow, this is great. But um, yeah, money was never really a concern to us. We always just thought. Where the the normal people that uh, have normal debt, you have uh, your house loan, you have your car loans, and uh, the interest rates that come along with that. And if you're adult enough, you can have a credit card that you run a balance on and, and pay the interest on that every month. Yeah, yep. um, that's that's how we've always grown up. And then you see um, a lot of other people around that uh, that's that's how they live, and it, it is the norm. And financial independence is is definitely not the norm, but it's starting to become a bit more of a trend, especially especially nowadays. But um, yeah, so our, our story is pretty fresh. Um, and we thought if we could save some money and and help other people out, we'll start a blog and write about our journey. So that's where kind of our blog came in. But um, the real the real catalyst for us and, and our journey was uh, having an emergency trip back to Australia. It was um, mid 2019, I think it was, yeah, 2019. And we couldn't really scrape together the cash to do that. So we had to, to mm-hmm. borrow off a family member. And we thought, wow, if, if that family member didn't have our money to loan to us, we were, we were stuffed. We couldn't go back to Australia. And it was a pretty important time, too, because it was uh, the passing of, of my father and uh, needed to be back there for the family. So all four of us had to pretty much book plane tickets the next day once we found out. And then that's like 10, 10 grand, 10, 12 grand. I'm like, wow. wow. And, crazy. and we didn't have an emergency fund at that time. We were living off credit cards. And uh, so we we're always in debt. And uh, like we bought our, our second house when we come to Canada as well, just because we didn't want to rent. But um, yeah, so going back to Australia, that was pretty tough. That was kind of the catalyst for us to say, wow, we don't have uh, any savings behind us to, to cover us for an emergency, big or small. So um when we, we come back and it was through um, really just YouTube was the, the main instigator for, for how I found uh, people that were related to personal finance, uh, minimalism and that kind of stuff. And it, uh, we, we decided we, we needed to make a change. Uh, we didn't know how. And I just stumbled across a YouTube video one day of uh, a guy that was standing in front of a whiteboard talking about personal finance. And Shout out to Marco from Whiteboard Finance if he ever listens <laughs> to this podcast. But uh, yeah, so I, I found a few of his videos and and uh, they had me hooked and I watched watched all of them. He only had 3,000 subscribers at the time. I think he was pretty new. 
but um, the way he presented material just really, really spoke to me and I could take it on and it was easy to understand. And he'd talk about the basics um, that were mind blowing to me. But um, now you look back a few months and you think, yeah, they are pretty basic, but not many people, not many people out there uh, have the have the knowledge of um, personal finance concepts, which which is pretty sad, but um, no fault of their own. Like if you're not looking for it, then you, know, you probably won't find it. But um, right. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of escalated from there. And that was around the October, November time period. And um, fast forward to now, we started our blog in March, I think it was March, April. And it was really just to update people with well, family members at the start to say, this is our, our journey for the past few months what we've experienced, how we set up a plan, talked about Dave Ramsey and the baby steps and, and listening to that audio book for the first time was a bit of a kick in the face for some of the dumb decisions <laughs> that right, we've made yeah. in the past. But uh, that was that was eye-opening as well. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, just listening to the story here, there's it, it's interesting because I feel like everybody has different inflection points in their life where it's been building for a while. Like you, you probably knew that your finances weren't in great shape, but you just kind of get used to it. And then it usually takes some kind of event, something to happen to all of a sudden kind of crystallize like, Hey, this is, this is not okay. We're not, you know, even though this is normal and it feels like this is what everyone's going through. And, and a lot of people are going through that kind of stuff. At some point it kicks in that we need to make a change and, and, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes kind of a, you know, a, a, a negative experience or something that's really rough to go through to to trigger that. And then I think what ends up happening is it just opens up your mind to be ready to hear one of those messages. You know, so then you come across a book or a YouTube channel or a podcast or something. And all of a sudden it just kind of sounds different because yeah. you're ready to hear it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, once you go searching for it, 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 like you say, it opens up a... Uh, a whole box of, of other things that you've never looked at before and concepts that you haven't really heard of. And you keep going down the, the rabbit hole of, of opening up new information and you, you find new opportunities. You figure out how to put together a budget. And that's something that we've tried and failed at in the past because we could put pen to paper or make a spreadsheet, but we never really had the discipline to follow through with it or the, the basic concepts of how to budget and how to track expenses and how to stick to it. And have have that discipline of, of saving money. My mother would often say to me, um, "How do you earn so much money and never save a cent of it?" And I'm like, "Well, well, it's it. I earn a lot, but uh, we have a house, we have a car, we, we live pretty high for uh, for for what we do. But that that's no excuse, really. The the more you earn, the more you spend is is how the how the saying goes. But that's uh, the more you earn, the more you can save is the way I look at it now. So every new bit of income that you get, you try not to have that lifestyle creep and you just throw more into savings and investing. And it's just a, I've found it a more freeing uh, experience to budget, save, stick to it. And it gives you the opportunity to do the things that you really value rather than trying to live in debt and having that financial stress and and the burden of that on a relationship and, and having kids involved as well. That was that was always my biggest stressor was what if we don't have enough money to do the things that we need to do and, and we want to do and we can't have a, a good life as a family. Right. So yeah, flicking the switch was was yeah, pretty crazy. But uh, I'm glad I did. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's an interesting comment about the kind of advice from your mom. So I guess backing up to that upbringing, um, what was your kind of attitude towards money growing up? And and was that different from your wife's upbringing uh, growing up with regards to how you guys were both taught about managing money? Yeah, managing money for us, uh, my parents uh, were fairly old. um, So they always did everything in cash. They balanced a checkbook. My father was pretty hopeless with money. He'd get paid, and if my mother didn't uh, manage the finances, then it'd, it'd all go out the window somewhere. But um, I always was seeking a high-paying job, so I started off as an apprentice electrician, and I think that was the most amount of money or percentage of my income that I've ever saved was when I first got a job because I didn't have the money to, to spend on lavish things. I'd never been used to that before. But, right. but as I went on and career progressed and you live into adulthood, it was, well, I earn a lot more now so I can afford a lot more car. I can afford a lot more of a house. And that was a silly, silly decision because I've, I've always wanted the best of everything. She, she also says that to me, too. And you got to have the best of everything, pretty much like the Joneses. The, the joke goes, mm-hmm. keeping up with the Joneses, I, I often think that we... We were the Joneses of having the best of everything, no matter how much we had to spend spend to get it. And um, my wife Alana, she uh, she grew up in a in a household that you always had what what you needed. Everything was provided for you. Like she never missed out. Um, her parents were were good like that. Um, they had credit cards as well. They had a few different credit cards. And so for those times when you didn't have any money, it just goes on the credit card and you deal with the bill the next day or the next month when, when it comes in and you see what you have to pay. And a lot of the times uh, you'd meet the minimum repayments and keep charging things to once once you've knocked down the credit card a bit, charge it back up. And then that's that was the common way, common way of living. And that's how we seen money to be used was to go into debt. And there I believe there is good and bad debts. Like good debts is something you can take on and it makes you money. Bad debt, anything consumer uh, related like credit cards that you don't pay off the balance and uh, car loans and, and, and frivolous things like that uh, going into debt for. But, um, yeah, that was something that that we we thought was normal and, and, and it was until a few months ago for us. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you guys have differences when it comes to managing money and finances between the two of you? Yeah, I'm definitely the one that's more into the spreadsheets and the numbers and the conditional formatting of the red and green. If things <laughs> things yeah. go red, I don't like it. And it's like automatically tracking things. Uh, whereas Alana, on the other hand, she she likes to have the money to do what she, she wants to do, but isn't the one to check bank balances or see if we have enough in the debit account to transfer to this other account and things like that. She, she leaves that um, to, to my side of it. She's more into uh, the behavioral side or the psychology um, behind um, spending money. And she wrote a blog post uh, dealing or living with a shopping addiction because she, she used to go online and just buy two, three hundred dollars worth of stuff that was just going to be delivered in a few days. And well, it's like that retail therapy, right? You, you buy something, it's new and shiny. Sometimes it sits in the cupboard and it doesn't get worn. But uh, it was that excitement to, to buy things and having to to deal with that has, has been uh, a bit of a game changer for her of not to just go online and, and buy things. Um, and it's she's she's slowly um, taken on board the, the 
minimal, I wouldn't say minimalism, but it was more of a, she listens to a podcast called the Slow Home Podcast, where they talk about lowering your impact to the world and, and living living below your means. And she's more into to that side of it, where I'm more in the financial concepts and um, managing the like the Instagram account, putting out content that, that can help people in, in that space. But uh, yeah, two sides of the coin, I think. Um, I often say she's she's the yin to my yang because we we complete mm-hmm. each other pretty well, um, even even with the the financial side, which is it's a it's a good contrast to have. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know any any couples that are dealing with finances. I mean, it's obviously that it's stressful to begin with. Having kids is another element, and then you, you you tend to just take on those other expenses like you were talking about. You you know you buy your car, you buy a second car, you buy a house, you upgrade your house, and so you're going through these different life uh, expenses that you're building up and that lifestyle creep. Uh, and at some point, you know you either that just keeps keeps on going, or in your case, you kind of hit that wall where you realize, okay, we need to make some changes. So, do you feel like you guys have been able to kind of reach that decision together and, and kind of stay on the same page with how your, how your plan is moving forward and has the blog helped you guys to, to, to kind of join forces and make sure that you are on the same page. Yeah, we had, um, we had that uh, conversation um, when we were booking the flights to, to go back to Australia. I think it was in the yeah, May, May, 2019. And we're like, we, we can't keep living like this. And that was the, the, the conversation. And then from there, over the, the next six months, we had uh, a few different conversations around, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to try and build up a bit of savings? What are we going to change to do that? And uh, we've been pretty much on the same page um, since since that time. Um, so we had we had the, the blog that, uh, that really... For me, it, it's something to hold us accountable. If we're going to share our journey and, and say this is our savings rate and how we're progressing on um, on our journey, then uh, other people are going to go, well, okay, this is what you said you're going to do. And I like that idea of if you say you're going to do it, you should do it. So um, putting the blog out or a blog post every week has been something we've looked forward to. Um, it's, it's exciting to research new, new content and different material because we write about our life experience, but that's only once a month that we give an update on that now. So those few weeks in between, it's like, hey, what do we write about now? So do a bit of research about uh, what I think that I'd want to know a few um, like years ago when we're just getting into the money world. So like the use of credit cards, responsible spending, how to create a budget and that, and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. That's great. I think uh, something that I've realized is you don't necessarily need to be the world's expert on everything financial to, to be a valuable resource for other people. Cause I, you know, everybody is at a different point in their life and everybody has a different, um, kind of goal that they're working towards. And so I think it's really great that people are able to, to jump on and share their stories like you guys are and, um, and inspire others and put out that content. And you're right. There's, there's so many things that hold you accountable, but then you also are learning stuff as you're going because you're researching stuff. And, and I think it's a great, um, you know, it, it becomes a resource for others and also for yourself as you guys are developing your journey. So, um, so you mentioned, I think you mentioned Dave Ramsey a, a couple minutes ago. So is, is that a resource that you guys have 
have utilized? Is that is his message something that has helped to drive what you guys have been doing with your financial journey? Yeah, definitely. Dave's um, pretty blunt in the way he delivers his messages. He calls some decisions dumb, uh, which which I really like. I think you got to be blunt sometimes when you're you're talking about financial concepts because it's very taboo to talk about money still, which is which is something where I think we we all need to change and be open about not necessarily your salary and and what you earn every year, but uh, how you manage your money and and don't keep it a secret if you're doing something well that someone else can learn from. But uh, there was a lot of concepts um, that we listened to in in Dave's audio book. It was the Total Money Makeover, which I think is his most uh, most popular release. But uh, we'd find ourselves driving around in the car listening to it, and we'd drive an extra five to 10 to 15 minutes just to hear a few more chapters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, much of the disgust of the kids, they didn't uh, really want to listen to that. But uh, yeah, we, so we wanted to, to get through that material pretty quick because it was, it was talking about uh, uh, things that uh, we'd recently done. So he speaks about um, car leases and he calls them uh, fleecing instead of leases. And we just went into a lease agreement with a car probably a month before we listened to to his to his book. So we're like, oh. and then there was a lot of those uh, moments throughout the different chapters of the book. So that was like, hmm, we've done a few things wrong, but at least we can recognize what they are and and make changes in our life to to not go back into to debt for those things and and not buy things unless you have the money or if you couldn't do it in cash, you can't afford it. And having those kind of mental shifts that uh, that we never had before. There's all these things that you can learn and there's all these resources. And like I said before, sometimes something just resonates and you're ready to hear it. And that's funny that you drive around listening for an extra chapter. My kids probably wouldn't want to hear that either. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there. Dave's actually, I, you know, I've heard so much about him. He's not, I haven't read any of his material really. I've, I've seen some bits and pieces, but I think I've almost just heard enough from other people talking about it that I've picked up on all the different steps and I have a general idea of what he's, what he kind of preaches. Um, but it is interesting that, that there's just a lot of different options for people to, to make those, those changes. And, um, have you guys identified specific goals that you're working towards? Like what, what's been your kind of, as you've turned that corner, I guess, what was your starting point financially and what are you aiming towards long-term to get to with, with your financial goals? The, the main goal for, for our journey was debt reduction. So we've got two houses and we had a, a family loan and then we had a, another family loan from a few years ago as well. That, um, and that, that was just something we, we wanted to knock down. And listening to Dave, he was like, debt is dumb, which, which it is uh, in the, the consumer debt. I believe that that is the, the bad debt. Uh, so that was our main goal was to say, right, uh, we owed, we owed Alana's mother. Um, we owed her, that was the, the flights back to Australia. So that was like 10 K. So like, right, let's, let's pay her back as quick as we can. Um, and that was, that was the first real milestone for us was to, to fully pay that back. We started with like a thousand dollars every two weeks or, or every month. And just as a consistent amount, but then after listening to to Dave and then a few more other um, finance YouTubers, it was like, well, let's knock this down as quick as we can with the like the snowball method, and and get it out of the way and move on to the next debt. And for me, owing a family member is even if it comes with no interest, it's the worst kind of of, of debt to have because you 
you never want to be be in debt financially to to a family member. I don't think it's it's right to put that strain on the relationship that you have with the family member. So knocking that out of the way, and then it was okay. Let's pay off the credit card, but not not cut it up. Still going to use it, but just pay off the balance, and then we'll start that cycle. Because I like the idea of rewards and credit card points, and and they're pretty beneficial if um, if you can be stringent enough to to pay off the balance in full. But um, I didn't have any idea what net worth was uh, when we started as well. So I back calculated that number um, for when we started in November. And I think because a lot of my my net worth was made up with my superannuation. So working in Australia, that's that's basically like your RRSP in in Canada. And um, I've been paying into that for a good... 10 years, I think it was, before moving over to Canada. So that just grew uh, without me even knowing what was going on in the investing world. So we had a lot uh, tied up there and then we got the two houses and, and cars and whatnot. So I back calculated the number to be around 230, 234 in November. And then only recently uh, recalculated it at, uh, in March and April just to, to see where we've made improvements and um, how far we've actually improved in our net worth. And I was pretty surprised that a lot of it's made up just in debt reduction and cash savings um, because we haven't touched uh, the super. It's just grown um, over time. And going from 234, I think we've just broken the, the 300 mark, depending on what how you value your houses and, and your car um, depreciation and whatnot. But that was, that was mind-blowing to see wow, in, in like six months or less that we've increased our net worth by, by close to 70K. It was like, this is unreal. And yeah. that, that's before even um, diving into the investing world. And uh, that's something I want to learn a lot more about, but I'm pretty novice at that at the moment. But yeah, it was pretty cool to see that in such a short amount of time, if you commit to something and throw, throw all your energy financially at it, then, then you can make a real difference. When people eliminate debt, it's amazing how quickly you can start to increase your savings. Because if you're spending five hundred, eight hundred, a thousand dollars a month on credit card payments or personal loans, it's not only are you are you just losing that money, but you're also not able to invest it and then get get those returns on it. So over the course of you know five, ten years, I mean, it's it's crazy how much more money you'd be getting from that initial investment if you weren't dumping it into credit card payments and you know being stuck in that cycle of just paying those minimum payments month after month after month and and you get you like like i said before you kind of get used to it you almost and that was for me i almost got so used to it i didn't even notice it anymore like yep three hundred dollars here two hundred dollars there and man five hundred dollars if i hadn't been paying that towards that those credit cards to put that somewhere else is just um it's crazy how much more valuable that money is when you're not paying it towards that yeah definitely i think um Seeing your bank account grow, because um, we started at like the online high yield savings account, which, which most people do for their emergency funds and whatnot, and just having the, the set goal that we had for each each pay period, because we get paid twice a month, and just meeting that um, that goal every every two weeks, just built that momentum. I was like, wow, we can actually do this, and we can we can save fifty percent of our our combined income throughout the whole year, and still live the, the way we usually do, just cut back on a, a few online shopping sprees and um, try and be mindful with groceries and that kind of thing. But uh, definitely seeing that it was doable for us with our own um, financial situation 
was a, a powerful thing to keep us motivated. So savings rate is something you guys have obviously increased. Do you, do you have a goal that you're working towards or is it just more of a, we want to establish a strong savings rate and then just know that that's going to be a beneficial situation? Yeah, I like dealing with with numbers and percentages. Um, I'd say like a strong savings rate for sure. Like at the moment, I think we're averaging around 47% for the year of our, our combined income. I'd like to, to be able to get to 60 and beyond. Um, maybe that'll come in the in the next few years, but um, the savings rate that we're we're currently tracking at is enough for us to meet our goal for for 2020, and that'll have that means we've got a fully stocked emergency fund. We've got enough for a holiday fund to to trip back to Australia if we wanted to, and um, and we're going to pay down um, the last remaining bit of debt that we have with with another family member as a big lump sum, um, so we can meet all those goals with our savings rate as it is but um i'd like to get it to the 60 percent or higher so then i can dive deeper into the investing world and and have a few just balanced etfs that i can just dump money into every month and just compound that over time that's that's the the long-term goal and just to build wealth that way now with your budget have you guys made other changes besides just not not doing online shopping are there other things that you started to implement to try to free up some of that cash to, to you know accelerate your savings rate yeah other than that we um we gave ourselves like a, a miscellaneous category in the budget because it's kind of a catch-all for things that come up and, and don't come up um but small changes for us um is something that adds up like we'd often go to the car wash twice a week and spend ten dollars for something automated to to brush over our car just to make it Look, look new and shiny again, but uh, just buying buying the car wash to do it yourself at home, or do the the hand wash for for four dollars once a week. Uh, simple little changes like that. But the majority of our money, um, other than than housing, is uh, is chewed up through groceries. So trying to put put together a meal plan at the start of the week, um, so we know what we're going to have for for dinners mainly. Um, because I eat pretty much the same thing for, for lunches throughout every day. And just putting together those those kind of disciplines to raid the pantry before you go shopping, make an inventory of your freezer before you try to buy any new fresh produce and be, be mindful of what you're throwing out that you don't use so you don't really need to buy that stuff anymore. Like uh, we've cut cut it down a bit. We, we've still got a, a long way to go in the, in the groceries department to be considered frugal in that area but um at some stage we're, we're kind of happy to spend a bit more on um on local um, quality food and and have a few steaks once or twice a week and um just just cut back in in other areas um like travel was it was a big thing for us like each time that we drive four hours to winnipeg it'd be um it'd be thousand two thousand dollars and it was just a weekend with just us and, and the kids like wouldn't do anything extreme that we we would have thought maybe shop at a few different malls and go see a few movies and stuff but you'd come back and go wow how did we spend that amount of money and and those kind of things is um something we're looking to change this year so going camping in the summer is something we're looking forward to uh it costs you a little bit to to kit out with that stuff but um we just spent four hundred dollars and that'll be our main supplies other than food for, for traveling around if the COVID crisis uh, allows allows us to get there. But um, those those are kind of the, the mindset things that we're trying to change. 
and um, not going into consumer debt um, for something that we we don't need or can't afford. I tend to um, ask ask a few questions internally of before purchasing something. If you if you look at it and you're like, wow, I really want that. Can you give yourself 24 hours? Do you really need that? That's something Elena's been good for. She keeps a list, and if she still wants it in a month and thinks about it every day, then she buys it. But uh, usually, you forget what you've written on that list, and uh, and you say to yourself, "Do I? Is this going to bring me value? Is it still going to be with me in five years?" And if the answer is like yes to all of those questions, then yeah, sure, maybe you should buy it if you can afford it. But um, yeah, it's, it's been those little changes that have been been helpful in, in our budget journey for that. Yeah, I've done that before where I've gone into Amazon and I've opened up my cart and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I put these couple of things in here. I guess I probably didn't really need to buy them. So I'm glad that they're still there and not sitting <laughs> on my coffee table, you know. Um, so you mentioned a moment ago, you mentioned uh, being frugal. So do you consider yourself a frugal person or is that something you need to, to kind of force yourself to do? Where do you fall in that kind of spectrum of frugality and and also Along with that, what's the difference between frugality and being cheap? Because I know you've written about that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, now, like in the past few months, I'd, I'd be more frugal than what I was. Uh, if we were to put a scale on it, I'd probably say I'm, I'm more on the on the scale of frugal than, um, than frivolous. But uh, there, there's still check-ins that you have to ask yourself of uh, when you're out and about and you're looking for stuff to buy. It's, you ask yourself those questions and you think, well, I don't really need to buy that. But uh, things that, I, that I've that i started to do is um, like at, at the grocery store is a simple one for us. You compare packages of food. I look at the nutritional labels. I've always read nutritional labels. But uh, comparing the price, price per kilo, price per gram, and um, not always going with the name brands. So shopping pretty frugally um, in, in that space. But um, yeah, the difference for me in the, like, I know a few people that are cheap and I know a few people that are pretty savvy and, and pretty frugal. Like for me, the difference between frugal and cheap, I'd say frugal is where you're seeking the, the best value. So you're always looking for the, the best value for money and the cheap people are just looking for something that's the lowest price. Whether or not they buy a, a $10 t-shirt and they have to buy it five times throughout the year, you could have bought a $50 t-shirt that's going to last you four years and you, you never have to buy it again. But um, yeah, there's, and those, uh, those, those cheap people are the, the kind of guys that you, that you give that glaring look to and go, really, do you really like that? But um, yeah, you try and, I try and definitely have no, uh, no cheap behaviors. I, I tend to err towards more of the, the frugal behavior for sure. Yeah, I've always uh, struggled with that. I, I, I'm definitely not a frugal person by nature. And even when I try to be frugal, it still is a struggle for me. I, I don't know if it's something that is a learned behavior or if it's something genetic. I just feel like it's, I don't know that I'll ever really be able to, to kind of flip that switch. But I think to your point, it's just a matter of seeking value and being a more responsible spender. And yeah, I, I can definitely do that. Um, but I think that it's that's a, a struggle for some folks to to get that mindset, and really, that's what it is. It's just a mindset of of seeking value and making sure that you're not being frivolous with your spending. Yeah, and the toughest thing for for me is um, I like I like to have nice things. Like we 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 bought a pretty big SUV, and I've always said you can sell me a car with the with good rims and blacked out windows. Like that's I like things that look nice so that's that's been the hardest part for me is to not always seek, seek 
the best looking thing or the, the something that uh, people will say, wow, that, that looks pretty cool or um, value it that way. Um, that's something that's that's an internal struggle for me because um, I, like, I like appearances, but um, I like to buy something that's that's going to bring value. And sometimes the, the biggest, shiniest thing isn't the most, uh, you don't get the best value for money out of that, which is um, which is an internal struggle for me at times. Yeah, and I think having that self awareness is is helpful. If you you know if you know that that's your tendency, and it also helps to have a partner who can help hold you accountable. You know, she knows, hey, this is your tendency. Blake always likes to go for the car with the shiny rims. Like I'll I'll help rein it in when we're going car shopping. That's definitely helpful to have have that that partnership. Yep, for sure. Earlier on, you you mentioned a little bit about um, I know living in Australia and moving to Canada and, and owning a home in both locations. So can you just touch on a little bit what the experience has been like for you as far as purchasing a home? Because I know that that is for most people going to be their significant their most significant source of debt. Um, so what's your experience been like, and what have you kind of learned about home ownership and and uh, debt when it comes to mortgages? Yeah, so when we first bought our house in Australia, we were still pretty young. It was, um, we were probably mid-20s, I'd say. I was uh, about 23. We, we had our first child. He was, uh, he was about one then, and we decided we're, we're sick of renting. We're a family now. Let's buy a house. Because I was always under the uh, presumption that uh, having to pay rent is paying off someone else's mortgage, which is true. But it's it's always the worst option. You should always buy a house. That's always going to be better, and that's the the how the saying goes. And we had no savings and still managed to buy a house um, because my mother went guarantor on the on the loan for that. So we had like a few grand, not nowhere near even ten percent to to sit down and buy a house. And we we'd spoken to a few different people of a, a few different uh, loan types. So we thought the standard loan type, where you pay a fixed amount every month and some of its principal, some of its interest, is um, a pretty vanilla way to do it. We probably should have went that way, but we didn't. We uh, we got a, a basically a line of credit where um, the the value of the the house was um, what was our line of credit, and the enticing thing about that for us was all of our money was going to go into that account. So our paycheck could all, all go into there. And the more money we had in there, the lower we'd pay in interest. It's just like a HELOC in, in other areas of the world. And um, we thought, oh, wow, we could save a lot in, um, in interest there and pay down the house quicker. But we never had those, those basic disciplines of keeping the money in there because we seen more money in there was more money for us to spend. It wasn't more money to pay off the house and save us in the long run from um, interest repayments. It was let's uh, get the money in there and then take it back out because uh, we had money to spend. So we never really got ahead in that space. And fast forward to moving to, to Canada, we still had that same mentality of rent's dumb. We need to buy a house. Um, but the, the place where we moved to in Canada had absorbently high rent prices because the mine had only started a few years earlier and they jacked up the rent prices like 300%. So you'd be looking at $2,000 a month for something that didn't have a finished basement. So we're like, mm, this isn't really for us. So we, we again went into more debt, um, but we had a bit more money this time because we got our long service leave paid out from our previous employer 
and uh, we had cash in the bank. So we thought, wow, we're loaded. <laughs> we're, we're, mm -hmm. Let's buy another house. So yeah, we, we bought a house um, here where we live now, and um, it's it, it's cheaper than um, than some of the rental properties uh, in the same area. But um, we still have the same mentality. It's like let's buy a house because it, it's going to work out. And we didn't have, I don't think we had 10% deposit for the house. So that we've only got uh, our house is a, it was 250. I think it was 250,000 for, for the house in Canada. And we had uh, like 10, 13, I think it was for, for the down payment. So we had to go with the, the lender's mortgage insurance, paying that on top of the loan. And but at the end of the day, we didn't care because we're like, wow, we got a house. This is great. We've got somewhere we can live. We can call it our own um, for however long we, we live in Canada for, and then we'll, we'll it'll appreciate and we'll sell it as 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 we leave. Because that was always how I thought how you build wealth was to invest in rental properties, save enough money, buy a rental property, make some equity on that, and then uh, keep keep repeating that cycle, which is a great way to do it, but it's a very high high cost of entry to, to get into the real estate market that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, I always seen uh, like the investing side in the stock market is the, the biggest riskiest thing to do. Um, and a lot of people still see it that way. It's, it's volatile. You see the trends, you see the news. If you listen to any of that, then you'd never invest in the stock market. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a new avenue that I'd, I'd like to explore. But having the houses um, is, is, great for your uh your, what you'd say your assets but i still think of them as as liabilities because we've still owe like quite a bit on both of the houses so even if we sold everything we we we'd have enough to cover our um our mortgages but uh, you wouldn't have much left over after that so i see it more as a liability than an asset because it's not making you any cash while you're living in it yeah that's been my experience too i you know i looked at uh selling my previous house and at first, I was like, "Oh wow, we made so much money off of this," but then I look back at how much we've been paying in in interest over the years leading up to that, and at the end of the day, like it it is hard to to come out ahead with owning a property, a primary residence, living in it, and selling it. It's really it's a timing thing. It's like how long are you there? What's the market look like? And it can end up working out to be a really good investment in some cases, but it's just it's hard to. You don't know. You don't know how long you're going to live there. Like you guys probably didn't know when you bought your house in Australia that at some point you'd be moving to Canada. That wasn't yeah. even on your radar yet. So, you know, life stuff just happens. And so, yeah, it is tough. And and again, it's it is nice to have that hard asset versus just you know investing in the stock market. But I think you know you can go around in circles with that. I think there's going to be pros and cons to both sides of that. But at the end of the day, having having some money saved up is ultimately what what you want to work towards and. Um, you guys have probably, your perspective has changed. It's life lessons and, um, and you'll take that information going forward with whatever decisions you guys make down the road with buying rental properties or staying in a primary residence, whatever you end up doing. So it's all information that you just learn from really. I want to jump over to uh, some of the tools that you guys have used to keep yourself on track. I know you've listed out on your website a few different things that you've used as far as just resources and tools and apps. So what are a couple of things that you guys have found useful in keeping track of your budgeting and, and planning and things like that that you might recommend to other people to use? Yeah, sure. Um, the main thing that we use for tracking our annual expenses and, and monthly expenses is, is just a simple spreadsheet. 
So after like listening to Dave and uh, the six baby steps to wealth, um, knocking down debt, have a plan. So the plan for us uh, lives in the spreadsheet um, where I built the, the, the bare bones when we started off of what we get paid every two weeks. So let's extrapolate that out for the rest of 2020 and see what our income would be without any bonuses or raises or anything. And then what's our usual expenses? And to figure out our usual expenses, we use an app called um, Mint. I don't think it works in Australia. I've spoken to a few others. They've got like Pocketbook and a, f a few other things. But um, Mint uh, is something we downloaded probably 18 months ago and used it for a month or two and then thought, oh, this is too hard. We're not saving any money. It's not working for us. But we, we had that app. It was still it still had the little cloud icon in the in the Apple store for us to re-download it because it was still stored there. So installed that again. And that's what we use to, to track our expenses because it's all automatic. It does the categorization for you. I'm on it pretty much daily because it doesn't categorize everything 100% correct. So um, I categorize things that, that we need to. And then that is a really cool function from, from Mint is on their online platform, you can export the, the it's basically a CSV file. And I've I set up spreadsheets to do most things automatically. So I can dump it in there and it'll do the categorization to what I've got in the budget and it will do it by date. So I can see what's my actual spend versus my plan spend for whatever pay period and year to date. And uh, that's where I check back in every, every two weeks uh, to say, okay, what can I pay myself um, this pay. Sometimes it, it's maybe only one one thousand. Sometimes it could be four thousand, depending on what expenses we have coming up in in that period. So that's something I found pretty effective. Is um, the the budget definitely set up in in Excel? Some programs like Quicken can can do a, a budget for you like that, but I like to do it for free. <laughs> Like Mint, Mint's free, a spreadsheet's free. Uh, mm -hmm. I do a lot yeah. of spreadsheeting in, in my day-to-day -day, uh, work life. So, And tracking expenses, I think, is the second part that um, that some people think is too hard as well because uh, people have like the, the cash envelope system works great for some. That's that's something that, uh, that uh, I've never really looked into because I like to do it electronically. But um, definitely having uh, something set up where you can have your, your budget, so a spreadsheet, Mint uh, for, for tracking your expenses. And uh, um, we use a, an online uh, bank for our high yield savings accounts. We use EQ Bank in Canada. It's it's still hovering around the, the 2%. So that's higher than like Ally or anything else that I've seen in, in the States. They're all like 1.15. So when we see uh, interest come through every, every month, it's pretty cool. Like you get $60 here, $100 for the next month, depending on how you've got in there. You're like, wow, I'm earning money on my own money just sitting somewhere. And uh, I found that was pretty powerful. So opening an online bank um, is, is something I definitely recommend to have your emergency fund at least sitting in there. Sure, it mightn't beat inflation. People could argue with that. But to me, it's not there to make money. It's there to to save you in a rough situation, whether it's three to six months living expenses, whether it's a year whatever you need it to be to be comfortable, that's uh, having that emergency fund set up there is, is is the way to go for us. Yeah, Mint's great. I've been using that for a while and I like how you can see historically what your spending is over a long period of time. So I've had that active for, for you know several years and so I can look back and see trends within my spending and 
Uh, so yeah, it's definitely helpful. I, there's there's other similar kind of budgeting or or kind of tracking your expenses type apps. So there's a lot of options out there. So I would recommend if people don't use something like that, I think it's worthwhile just to to gain some awareness as to what you're actually putting your money into. I'm always surprised. For a long time, I would have stuff like you know my monthly budget for you know going out to eat it's set at fifty dollars, and I was like getting alerts every month going over it and i'm thinking wow how you know how am i keep going over this 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 budget and yeah you don't realize if you don't have some kind of little ticker there to 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 let you know when you're going over uh you don't necessarily realize that you've been far exceeding your your budget that you might have had in your head for people who like to keep track of things in their head try an app you know it's 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 really gonna make a difference for you so i recommend this as well so as we wrap things up, um, I guess the, one of the last things I did want to throw out there just to get your perspective on is when we look at people who are uh, starting this journey to financial freedom that might be starting later in life. So someone maybe in their 40s that's just learning about some of the stuff that you've mentioned, what general advice would you give to someone who's just starting off on this and they're a little bit later off in life? I'd probably say that the main thing is to absorb as much knowledge as you can. Read, read, uh, read self-help books, read education books, uh, like about personal finance. There's there's so many great uh, great resources out there that I'm, I'm still finding that exist. I find like for the for the millennial to a little bit older generation, if if you're not into reading, like podcasts, they're they're there for free, uh, so you can absorb a lot of information that way. Uh, there's so many different perspectives you could learn from. I'd say try to look for something that's that's pretty basic and it's got the basics um, listed out in there. And similar with like audiobooks or the the Kindle, if you if you wanted to listen to an audiobook, there's Audible, there's other programs like that where you can uh, download basically any book in in the world and just listen to it on your car ride. And even if you're not actively listening to it, you could listen to it a few times through and and absorb different points at different times. But um, educating yourself, I always say, uh, reading a quote that says education pays the best interest. Um, and it's true because the more you can learn about uh, what you're trying to pursue and it's if it's to become financially secure, financially independent, have an abundance of money, whatever it is, the same kind of principles apply. So the more you can learn about the basics and start applying it to your own life, life the better. I think we often talk about if you're 20, you can invest little amounts and it'll grow to be something huge, which is true, but you can, you can do the same thing when you're 30, 40, 50, but you just might have to invest a little bit more than what you would if you were 20 to get the same compounding effect over time. But um, that's that's the game changer for, for me was recognizing that compound interest is something that it's never too late. You just have to put a little bit more money in, in the investing space to, to get the same output um, before you're 65 or whenever you want to retire. And like having that long term goal of saying if you're like 30 now and you wanted to retire before you were 65, maybe you set a goal for 50, you could put that number out there and see how much money would I need to retire on when I when I reach that, that age. And then you can work back from there and say, okay, cool, I need to save and invest X amount to, to reach my goal by the time I'm 50. Or you can be more aggressive and shorten that time period or it can be more relaxed and, and, and push it out a bit. But having, having that long-term goal, recognizing what you want, to me, your why is pretty important. Like um, we haven't spoke too much about the whole family aspect of it, but I remember listening to one of your episodes where you seen 
your son uh, looked over your shoulder at, uh, and there was a spreadsheet or a, a finance thing and you were like, oh, well, you'll close that down and that's the immediate reaction. Like I like to well, think of money as something that your kids need to learn about. They're starting to do it in schools now, which is great, but um, educating about uh, what's, what's simple interest, what's compound interest and, and those kind of cool money principles is something I'm looking forward to, to teaching our kids because they're nine and seven. So our seven-year-old, she doesn't really care at the moment, but our nine-year-old's more interested in those uh, ac academic principles and stuff like that. So I'm excited to build wealth for the long term and show the kids how it can be done without living paycheck to paycheck and on a credit card. That's what I'm pretty excited about too. Finding your why is is something that everyone gets to at some point if they if they're on this journey. I think that's a a common theme is people start to identify what is it that I'm really focused on and why am I doing this? And it's it is more than just putting money in a bank account, it, it might be your kids, you know, and I, and I, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's when you have kids, all of a sudden you start thinking, I'm not only setting up my own financial future, but what am I passing on to them? Both, you know, tangible money or, or wealth and also lessons. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity really, regardless of your age, I, I think to your point, you've got an opportunity to set yourself up, but also pass those those lessons on and set up people in your life, your family for financial success as well. So so thank you. Uh, this is really good information. I'm, I'm happy that you came on the show. Um, I'm excited to hear more about your story and follow you. So if people are interested in keeping track of what you're working on, where's the best place to keep track of that? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram now. So at fire with a family is, is where you can find our account. We haven't got much of a following. We're starting to slowly build. We only had that for a few months, but uh, that's the the main avenue. And we write a, a blog post and develop a few tools um, throughout throughout the time. So that's uh, our website's firewithafamily.com. And that's where we can start to load our like our fire flow charts, our budgeting spreadsheets, and all these kind of cool tools that uh, that have helped us along the way so we can help someone else and share our experiences through the through the blog is um, is something that uh, we're quite passionate about. So that's probably the easiest place to find us at, at this point in time. We don't have Twitter or, or anything like that, but um, IG and uh, the blog is pretty much where it's at. Blake, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I really appreciate the time and uh, good luck with everything with your family. No worries. Thanks, Ben. It's been a pleasure. This is great. Thanks again to Blake for taking the time to come on the show and share his story, uh, hearing how much progress he and his wife have made uh, just in a few years is a real inspiration. Uh, so I would definitely recommend heading over to his blog. Again, it's firewithafamily.com. I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, but they've got some great content there. Their recent stuff talks about the pros and cons of credit cards, how to improve your credit score, and how to get to know your net worth. So if any of that sounds interesting, definitely jump over, uh, take a look, read through the information and hopefully it's helpful for you. They also have some great recommendations for other podcasts and YouTube videos that might help you on your journey to learning more about your finances. So that wraps things up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I will talk to you again next week. To read more about my story, be sure to follow me at FiAfter40 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also subscribe to receive updates whenever new content goes up at FiAfter40.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review. It makes a big difference. Thanks for listening.